ultimately, I think at the highest level, offensive football is a brain trust. It's a group of individuals that come together that try to get to the best ideas for the team. Bird Wright, 18 premium diesel. Joe Montana, Buster Douglas, John Elway, John Elway. Daisy right, Soy, Blitz right, Travolta right, pumpkin left, alert, Charlotte left. Go on. Bunch right, Zach. We'll go 15 tip scissors. Cannon to 300 jet F stick. Victory is a great play call. Coaches, welcome back to another episode of the Play Callers Club. I guess I always introduce this by saying coaches welcome, but I know we have some fans and, uh, well, some really educated fans that are also tuning in. So welcome to you guys as well. We're, we're fired up to have you here, and we cannot wait because the season feels like it's just minutes away. I mean, we're, we are so close to week zero in college football. We know we've had some, some preseason action already, and we're going to dive into some, some hard knocks as well. So I feel like people are starting to get their football fixed, but I think actually watching meaningful live football is going to be the best thing ever. And I know we can't we can't wait to get started. So welcome back, guys. It's been a minute. We've been hustling, been busy with camp, but uh, excited to talk hard knocks and, and a little Florida Gators as well. Hard knocks, man. I love uh, love some Aaron Rodgers on hard knocks. Seems like he's just the taking you know, it's just they they spend a lot of time with him, like on every episode, right? Like it, it feels like there's like an Aaron Rodgers cam, and uh, I enjoy. It seems like a different. I don't know about how y'all feel, but it seems like a different season. Because obviously, not don't they're not fixating on one player and like going to his home and meeting his family. So it seems like they're really fixated more so just like what happens in the building, what happens in the day to day, and uh, it's just cool seeing Aaron love up one of the young guys, like seeing his relationship with Sauce. And just at like like first episode, he mentioned he was, they're doing a Hall of Fame game. He like looks over at looks over at Sauce and tells him it's gonna be him one day, and just kind of stares at him. Yeah. So yeah. I think being a young player, kind of seeing that from a guy like Aaron is pretty dope. Then the head coach, he's just a man, and just how he commands the room. So you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll see a Jake's take on the Jets. You know, doing something wild in the AFC East. Yeah, maybe I'm trying the to. Bills, I'm, you know. I'm, I'm considering one um, as we speak. I've, You're not ready to commit put, quite yet. I haven't, I haven't put anything on the board yet. But still, maybe still maybe by it. the end of the episode, one popped into my mind. You might be, you might be ready. It could be really good. It could be not so good. I don't know. Okay. It could go one of two different you gotta, ways. You got to keep us keep us. I, I agree with Rashad. I think it's it's been kind of a different season mm-hmm. than we've seen in Hard Knocks past. I think just because – you know, with like the Lions last year, you really there's so much, you know, mini kind of storylines to follow. But Aaron Rodgers is the storyline, so Hard Knocks isn't dumb. They're like, hey, we're gonna do, <laughs> we're gonna do oh, what's yeah. here. We're not gonna focus on the guy that you know so much on the third stringer that's trying to make the team. We're gonna focus on you know the guy that's getting paid fifty million dollars a year to come play quarterback for the Jets and try to bring them their first Super Bowl since what, Super Bowl two. Three? three, I think three it's three. Yeah. Three sounds right. Yeah, Joe, so, you Joe know they did Namath. the whole they did the whole Joe Namath kind of little montage to start. Um, so yeah, it's just big big storyline with the dude Aaron Rodgers coming into town. Yeah, and I think it's interesting too. You almost have like a a little campaign to 
give us a different look of Aaron Rodgers because he took a lot of heat this offseason, I would say. And a lot, uh, you know, there was a lot of stuff in the media about him with his darkness retreats and, you know, all the, all the stuff he was involved in in the offseason. I think they, they did a pretty good job kind of humanizing him and bringing him back down to earth and uh, demonstrating kind of the relationship that he has with his teammates. And obviously, you can tell that there's a, there's an affinity for him in that locker room, which is, is pretty cool to see. Um, and then also you've got Nathaniel Hackett, who, you know, had a rough go of it in Denver and is now back in the OC role that he was with Aaron in Green Bay. And, you know, I think he's he just seems a lot more comfortable in that role. And I think... You could argue that the the his experience in Denver was partially in order to get Aaron Rodgers to Denver. I think people have kind of said that along the way, and like when that didn't happen, was the decision kind of already made that he was not going to be the long term answer at as the the head coach there. And then also, you know, the the organization changing hands in Denver, and and Nathaniel Hackett eventually getting fired mid season, and then relocating to the Jets, and then you know we've also heard of you know, kind of the stuff Sean Payton was saying about him and kind of the criticisms of how poorly he felt the Dallas or the Denver Broncos were coached last year. And so, yeah, it's interesting to see the dynamic between quarterback and play caller. And it's going to be interesting to see that play out throughout this season in New York. And I think they're kind of setting that up, right? Is setting it up as a partnership between Nathaniel Hackett and Aaron Rodgers, but also kind of Aaron Rodgers, bringing a whole new flavor of offense to the New York Jets, not just with his ability, but also his mentality, I think, as well. Yeah, I think what's, I think kind of one of the things that they're really trying to hit right now is kind of like y'all pointed out how maybe this is the new Aaron Rodgers. And I think, you know, over the years, it's always been the narrative. Aaron Rodgers is, you know, about himself. He's more about MVPs than he is about Super Bowls. He's more about money than he is about, you know, bringing in good teammates. And, you know, you saw, I think it happened before Hard Knocks actually kind of kicked off, but he restructured his contract. You know, he was set to make, you know, like $65 million over one of those years or something. I think he knocked it all the way back to like $75 million over two years, um, which would be like 37 and a half a year. I don't know if it's split equally or whatever but you know so they can bring in the right guys and you know the more that I started thinking about it it's funny to see you know kind of like Rashad you're talking about with Sauce and just how a lot of his teammates react to him and even how the coaches react to him and I think us as fans you just you get so used to somebody like that you don't really appreciate their true greatness and I think he just kind of not that Green Bay fans didn't appreciate him, but I think he's just—it just became so normal to them to expect what they, you know, what they've gotten from Aaron Rodgers over the years. It probably got so normal to his teammates. I mean, you even hear, you know, the things Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard and Nathaniel Hackett say because they've seen it over and over. But then you've got a guy like Garrett Wilson, mm-hmm. or you know, the defenders that see it, or even Robert Sala that sees it in oh, person yeah. for the first time, and they're like, "Oh my gosh!" Like this is, you know, they've they've been, you know, they're like kids in a candy store they've never experienced anything like this before so i think it's probably nice for him to to kind of you know one give that love to all of his teammates but also kind of get that love back you know and and from the fan base too you know one of the most passionate fan bases in the world in new york now how does it go if the season's not going so well i don't know 
but at the same time, more than likely, it's going to be better than what they've had in the past. Rashad, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. Uh, to Jake's point about restructuring his deal, bringing in teammates and teammates that he has familiarity with, with that receiver room, bringing in Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb to go along with some of the young talent they have. How do you kind of see that as a receivers coach? How do you see that room kind of shaping up with the veteran presence they have and also the young talent they have? Yeah, I think it was very timely, uh, very thoughtful as well for Aaron to kind of like to vouch for his guys to get in there. Randall Cobb hasn't really played, played much football over the past few years, but um, for him to kind of just have that connection with Aaron and have relationship ready, he can kind of teach, you know, Garrett Wilson and all the younger guys in the room just about the day-to-day being like a pro receiver. Um, and Al Lazard, him, he's, he's pretty good as well. He had a nice contract from the Jets. So having those two guys with the younger guys would definitely kind of like raise the standard of the room. And, you know, as we all know, when it comes to playing receiver, you need your quarterback trusting you. You need your quarterback knowing that you know what to do, knowing, knowing where you need to go to run a route and let's say get, let's say get balls thrown your way. Like, for example, I think it was like episode two. Um, Aaron was like coaching up uh, Zach Wilson during, during like the second preseason game. And the tight end ran the wrong route, but so caught the ball. So like, so called a touchdown. And like everyone was like celebrating. And Eric kept making sure he's like, ran the wrong route, but so scored, ran the wrong route. And and he was, right. he could tell like he was bothered by it, but he was happy to score, but he's like bothered by it. So the Jets, um, I, think, I think this is going to be a new standard for them for as, as an offense. And for the receivers, they're playing with, you know, a future Hall of Famer, right? So having Alan Zard, having Randall Cobb would definitely expedite their not experience, but expedite their their learning curve, and um, help these guys get 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 to where they need to be to be trustworthy receivers for Aaron. And the Jets are, Jets will be a good team to watch. They're gonna be good, yeah. they're gonna be a fun team to watch this fall. So definitely tune in. Even if even not not a Jets fan, you see some fun stuff happening in uh, in New York this fall. Yeah, and yeah. you saw, um, I guess in episode three, it was last night. Um, you saw Randall Cobb you know, get kind of, I think it was at the very beginning of the episode, talking to the young receivers and the receiver coaches, like, how do y'all think our day was? And they were all, you know, they're all sitting there kind of quiet. It's one of those where, you know, (laughs) they know your parents ask you, you, how did it go? (laughs) I don't really want to say, um, but I mean, and he was like, you know, here's the truth. If you're, if you don't know what to do, he's not going to throw you the ball. I think that was a big storyline last year with some of those young Packers receivers, you know, and it would, it would get pointed out every single week. Like Christian Watson doesn't know where to go. Romeo Dobbs doesn't know where to go. And you would, I mean, it was just like pinpointed dudes were all over sports center, Pat McAfee show, all of it, whatever. It was like focus on these receivers because they don't know what they're doing and he doesn't want to throw them the ball. And so it's, it's going to be very evident, you know, what, what guys he trusts, what guys he doesn't. And clearly he brought in two guys that he does trust. Now, you know, like Rashad said, I don't know how much you're going to get out of Randall Cobb, but Alan Lazard's still a very capable receiver. And I've heard, you know, Aaron Rodgers, you know, talk very highly of him all over the place in interviews. So I think he's definitely really excited about him. And then you heard Garrett Wilson talking in his interview, and he was even saying, you know, bringing those guys along has kind of been – I don't remember how he phrased it, kind of like a cheat code for him to accelerate his learning process because you don't get all day to just sit around with Aaron or sit around with the offensive coordinator. But when you're in the room with those other receivers that know the way Aaron thinks, they can kind of help you, okay, hey, this is kind of what he's thinking here, as opposed to 
when you're just kind of playing that little guessing game of, I don't know what he's saying. It's hard, you know, it's just, there's only so much time in the day. You can get on the page, same page about one thing, but there's just so much when you're learning a new offense, when you're bringing in, you know, new guys in a system. And it, it, to me, that's the biggest question mark is just, there is a lot of newness. Like there's so much talent, but it's, right. you know, new offensive coordinator, new quarterback, you know, still some younger guys. I mean, that's just, I mean, yeah, they got a lot of talent on the defensive side that's come back, but there's just so much newness on that offense. It's, you know, are they really, you know, are they just going to get too far behind early in the season? It's not like, you know, it's not like they have a cake schedule. I mean, they start week one against the Bills. So I guess, you know, that's kind of my biggest question mark. Kind of want to hear y'all, you know, your guys' thoughts is, you know, when you are bringing in new guys, when you are, you know, you do have a new offensive coordinator, how, you know, how hard is that adjustment going to be? You know, especially when, you know, I, I know Aaron Rodgers is going to get some reps this week in the last preseason game, but it's like, I mean, you haven't really seen live, live bullets yet. And week one against the Bills on Monday Night Football, that's, I don't know if that's pretty who live. you want to be going against one. <laughs> that is pretty live. Yeah, I, I think the the counterpoint maybe would be that every day in practice he's going up against one of the best defenses in the mm-hmm. NFL with that Jets defense. And, you know, maybe that, maybe that gets you prepared in a way that playing a preseason game maybe wouldn't, but I do think to, to your point, Jake, it's, it is really hard to acclimate to, I think for a young receiver to acclimate to a, a veteran quarterback that has so much knowledge built up over the course of his career to the point where he's, you know, I remember Robert Sala at one point saying, I'm learning from Aaron. Like I've never seen or heard someone articulate the game in the way he does. He sees it so well um, compared to, you know, any other quarterback I've worked with. And, you know, I think when you think about defenses in the NFL, you know, one that stands out is like kind of that Robert Sala, D'Amico Ryan's kind of the San Francisco, what they've done with the Niners um, and bringing it throughout the league. That's one that stands out. Obviously you've got like Fangio and um, Wink Martindale and some others, but, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see does having Aaron Rodgers in the building actually improve them as a defense and does having a really good defense in the building improve you as an offense? Uh, you know, I'm interested to see kind of the interplay of that. Uh, obviously, I think early on in the season, they're going to lean pretty heavily on the run game. I think there's a reason they brought Dalvin Cook in. Getting Brees Hall back is huge for that offense. And you even heard Nathaniel Hackett say like, you can be the greatest quarterback in the world, but being able to run the football makes your life a lot easier as a quarterback. Cause you're not just sitting back there and people aren't teeing off on you. And I think it got to the point at times, you know, over in certain points in his time in green Bay, I think he kind of had to be the hero and, you know, will that offensive line in New York hold up? will they be able to run the football effectively? Like, yeah, they have all these weapons, but it, at the end of the day, it comes down to it. Can they block people up front in the run mm-hmm. game and in the pass game? And I think one of the biggest frustrations that you see from Aaron Rodgers in the documentary is breakdowns in protection and issues like that. That that probably gets him more hot than anything else. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's tough for the receivers, but I think it's even tougher for – because there's so many things you want to do with Aaron Rodgers, but can you do it? Because of, you know the offensive line is always is always the question in, in every level of football, but you know especially the highest level for sure. 
Oh, definitely. Yeah, and I was thinking, Jake, as you're talking about the Bills Jets game, my first thought when it came to like a, a a future Hall of Fame quarterback changing teams towards the end of his career and joining a new team, I thought about just 2020 when uh, Tom joined the Buccaneers and how they played against the Saints in the Superdome in their first game. And you know, the Bucks had like you know Gronk and um, Mike Evans and Chris Goodwin, Godwin, but like. Um, they struggled because of just the sound of uh, just Superdome. Also, there was like other issues going on too with COVID, right? So the shortened training camp schedule and all type of things. But the thing that I noticed right away was just like when Tom was trying to do audibles or make checks at the line. For one, the guys, the guys weren't really familiar. You could tell because it was just like happening live, and two, it was just like too loud. So I'm intrigued to see what happens when they play against the the Bills. Obviously, the Jets will have be more dialed in the Bucks were at that time because they had more practice time, more time on the board, and those type of things. But when it comes to live action fire, live fire, live bullets, um, you as a as a veteran quarterback and a Hall of Future Hall of Fame but veteran quarterback, you kind of have you kind of have tendencies. You have things that you like doing, and I'm intrigued to see if he's able to like do the things he's comfortable with when it comes to just making adjustments, right? And the guys know what to do because he can like make adjustments, but the receivers don't know. What what the adjustments are, then there could be problems. And I get it, they're NFL players, but um, there's always like nuances when it comes to making adjustments, doing signals as a quarterback to your receivers, right? Because each week these defenses kind of pick up what your signals are, and you got to make changes. So I'll be intrigued to see how these young receivers kind of come along throughout the season when it comes to the changes they make in a game plan to adjust to these AFC East opponents. Um, going against the Dolphins twice a year and going against the Bills twice a year isn't no tough, isn't no easy task. Even even though the Patriots, it seems like the Patriots, the Patriots are more competent now compared to Patriots. <laughs> so, so the Patriots, got, you know, still got Bill Belichick over there. Yeah, I mean, my first the coordinator this year. They do. They don't have they don't have our boy anymore. So you know that 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 helps some things out. So um, yeah, they're going to have a a tough road in AFC. Um, it, it won't be it won't be a uh, a long runway for them to kind of take off, um, but they can make some noise. Yeah, another, yeah. I mean, kind of back to just what y'all were talking about with the offensive line. I mean, I think, I mean, that's a pretty scary concern to have. And I, I think yeah. it was the last last episode we were talking about, you know, how important the offensive line is, you know, how important the offensive line coaching position is and I really, you know, I think if there's one thing that I want to see a little bit more and maybe these next couple episodes is maybe a little bit more focus on their offensive line coach, Nathaniel Hackett, kind of their offensive dynamic behind the scenes. I mean, obviously, as the play callers club, we want to see that. But I'm 100%. hoping we get a little bit of that because I feel like we're getting a good player perspective. We've seen a little bit of Robert Solo. We've seen a little more of the defensive coordinator and the defensive side, but I feel like we haven't got a very good dive into the offensive coaches. So I'm hoping maybe we can get a little segment, you know, I mean, even on Hackett, like I feel like we got to listen to him talk a little bit in the first episode, just, but I think that was more about the whole Sean Payton thing. I don't think it would right. really have to do with, you know, his philosophies and his relationship with Aaron. I think that would be cool to see, but kind of back to the offensive line. I remember Robert Sala saying in his interview, he said, I think we've got five really good individuals, but we're just not there as a group yet. And I yeah. think that's just mm. the truest thing about offensive line is you can have the most talent on the offensive line, but if those guys aren't cohesive as a unit, and I think that's something to, like, just your casual football watcher, you don't really realize about the offensive line is you're like, oh, I just want these, you know, 
super big dudes that can just move all around. But it's like if those guys don't mesh together, like it's got yeah, it's got to be a unit. A, you can have a left tackle that doesn't give up a, a single sack an entire season, but if that left guard through right tackle suck, it doesn't mean a thing. And yeah, it might mean that your left tackle goes and makes big dollars elsewhere, but. I think your best offensive lines across the league, you've got, you know, maybe, you know, just like you think about the 49ers, you've got your Trent Williams of the world that you're like, wow, that guy's just a freak. But I think the rest of their dudes just, they work so well together that yeah. they're not going to get beat up front. And it's not just pass game, it's run game too. I mean, they're just pounding you. And so kind of back to your point, Dan, I think they are going to have to run the ball really well and they've got the dudes to do it. You know, I mean, even they've got Michael Carter back there as well. I mean, that's yeah. a pretty solid backfield that they've got, but can they move the ball or is it going to be kind of like Green Bay where it's like, you know, Aaron's going to be forced to play hero ball again. That's, you know, so kind of two big questions for me are going to be the O-line and then just the newness of everything coming together. Yeah, and I think the goal would be, I mean, let's be honest, the, like the NFL is a passing league. You need to have an elite passer, I think, if you want to ultimately win championships consistently or like be at the top of the league. But you're really your hope is that you don't really have to play that much hero ball, like maybe a couple games a year in the regular yeah. season. Save that for the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, save it for the playoffs. I mean, seriously, like you see the Chiefs tend to run the football fairly consistently and they do some good stuff throughout the course of the season and kind of save Pat Mahomes hero ball for a little later on. And I think ideally, like that's what you want to do, especially when you're running through a division. Imagine Aaron Rodgers having to play hero ball two times against the Patriots with all the blitzes and all the coverages and, you know, all the stuff he's going to get from Bill Belichick. It's just not going to be fun. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's – I would be really intrigued to hear about the dynamic between coordinator and O-line coach because I think that's one of the most underappreciated relationships in all of, you know, all of football is how well those two work together. And it's interesting, you know, I think the average fan is probably not thinking about, like, how a staff is constructed. But when Robert Sala is putting together his staff, right, so he has um, Mike LaFleur as his offensive coordinator last year, Matt LaFleur's uh, brother, um, who's now out in, I think, with the Rams now as the OC. Um, yes. <laughs> so when, when they shuffle the staff, right, they bring in Nathaniel Hackett. They also bring in the Tennessee Titans, former offensive coordinator Todd Downing, um, who did some good stuff in Tennessee, and who, who's now the passing game coordinator with the Jets. And then the offensive line coach is um, was, I believe, with Todd Downing, Keith Carter. And so you're bringing two guys in from the Titans. Obviously, Nathaniel Hackett's coming in from Denver. Um, and I'm not sure who all Nathaniel Hackett brought with him. I believe the receivers coach maybe was with him in Denver. Um, I don't know the staff quite well enough, but it's just interesting to see, like, not all of these guys have necessarily worked together a ton, right? Like, they've been in different places, They and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like, that can be very much a good thing because you're pulling from different bases of knowledge, which I think is important. But also, you have to iron out some of those communication kinks early on as a, as a staff. Like, if your OC and your offensive line coach have never worked together, there's a, there's a lot they have to kind of sort through and it's a lot easier to sort through it when you know you aren't having issues but you get to week three and you are having issues that's when I think things get a little a little scary for for coaching staffs and so 
Yeah, I think the the maybe the the casual fan would think, okay, Robert Sala, he's got a bunch of assistant coaches, and they all they're all on the same page, and <laughs> they're they've all you know right. been together forever. But the reality is, Robert Sala, I think, is what what is this year three for him in in New York? Yeah, and he's had some people that had a, some people on his staff have been there with him the whole time, and some have been in and out, and some is this their first year, second year, you know, staffs change they change a lot and the ability of for the staff to mesh is is crucial and obviously if you're watching hard knocks you see if you're watching you know those meetings with nathaniel hackett todd, todd downing the passing game coordinator he's right in those meetings right he's with the quarterbacks he's he's pretty involved and so you know ultimately i think at the highest level offensive football is a brain trust it's a group of individuals that come together that try to get to the best ideas for the team and so that was kind of a long-winded way of, of talking about what you were referring to, Jake. But I think how well everybody gets on the same page as a staff to make sure that everything's kind of operating cleanly um, is really important. And the reality is everybody also has a little bit different terminology. Like they may all run the same plays, but they may call it something totally different or mm -hmm. refer to this as that. And, you know, it's all over the place. Like if you've ever talked to a football coach – hardly any two football coaches talk the same about what they're doing, even if they're running the exact same plays. And so, yeah, it's just, I know that was, it was probably way too in depth, but I think that's something for, for the fans to consider is that there's a lot of interpersonal stuff that needs to get ironed out every single season that you play football among the coaching staff, among the players. And as we've been saying all episode, trust is everything. Trust is absolutely everything. Yeah. Yeah, you could. Yep, I don't think anyone say that said that better. Um, I pulled up, so I pulled up the Jets schedule, and I want to hear you guys' thoughts on this in their first few games before they were by. So they have a week seven by. This is the Jake's take right here. I don't have a take for you guys. <laughs> I just want to hear your thoughts. You know, just open, open forum here, right? Do it. So as we heard, right, we have Buffalo Bills on Monday night, week one, week two in Dallas. Week three, Ooh. home versus home versus the Patriots. Week four, home versus the Chiefs. Week five in Denver. Week six in Philadelphia. Week seven by. So first what, six is a gauntlet. So what will be their record? You think after their first six games? What do you think, Jake? What do you got for me? First six games. Okay, let me go through them again. We got Bills, Bills Cowboys, Cowboys, Patriots, Patriots Chiefs, Chiefs, Broncos, Eagles. Okay. Are Cowboys home or away? Uh, they're in... In Dallas? In Dallas. Okay. Week two in Dallas. Cowboys yeah. win. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say they will be three and three. Okay. I think okay. more likely they'll be two and four, but I think they'll find a way to get to three and three. Yeah, Man, that's... that's... They'll pull one out that they're not supposed to win. Like, somehow out of that whole schedule, they'll beat the Chiefs. Like, the Chiefs will have one of their, like, early season blunders like they had against the Colts last year. I mean, it's a Sunday night game, so Sunday night game at home. Yeah, so I don't know. Mahomes, Mahomes and Prime. That's the first. I just saw the other day. That's the first time Mahomes and Rodgers will play against each other. Oh, wow. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. That's going to be fun. That's going to be fun. You know, I, I just I think they're going to get the run game going enough, and I think yeah. they're going to play really good defense. Yeah. So between those two, it's like I could see a path to four and two. 
Definitely. Uh, okay. Now, is that an easy path? No, I think that's probably either right on or, or maybe even over overachieving a little. But that's a brutal schedule to start things off. Mm-hmm. But if you can weather the storm, right? If you can get to four and two or sneak away to five and one, like you're in the driver's seat. You're in the driver's seat. So that's man, that's tough. I think that I mean the AFC East is loaded, man. Mm-hmm. And so is the NFC East. Like the that's, NFC East. That's where my like. I mean, that's where my hesitation with them is. Cause it's like you see them, you, and, you know, you always have a little peace in your heart for whatever team's on hard knocks, just like the Lions last year. It's like you want to see them do well. You get attached to the guys, but it's like, okay, I'm starting to feel good about them. Then you're like, man, the Bills are really good. And you're like, the Dolphins are really good too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of good football teams and a lot of good coaches. And, yeah, I don't think you can – I mean, I think that's that's maybe the the bigger point in all of this is like there there aren't that many easy games in the NFL. Exactly, like it is so competitive, and I think that's why it's compelling, is because it's competitive and because people can beat each other. <laughs> I mean, that's why we watch. That's why we enjoy it. That's why it's you know, that's why it is what it is in America in America today, and so. I think that's good. It's good for the sport, man. It's good for the sport if if it's a competitive landscape. And I think having Aaron Rodgers in New York, in New York City, is good for the sport as well. Because you're going to see hopefully two competitive teams between the Giants and the Jets in a big market like New York. And I think in the past it's just been – it just hasn't been – there hasn't been enough energy in the mm-hmm. past few years in New York. And so I think, you know, football's better off when, when good things are happening in the Northeast. And yeah, I mean, I, I'm excited for the season, man. I, I think typically I lean toward watching more college football, but I think with all the work we've done looking at NFL stuff this off season and, and talking to people and visiting people, it's, it, I'm definitely going to be more dialed into the NFL than I ever have before, even though I know that's, that's Rashad's territory. I'm, <laughs> I'm committed. I'm I'm gonna be be watching more than I more than I typically do with the NFL for sure. Are you gonna watch a sit down and watch a full game like broadcast? You're gonna like absolutely not. No, you need to get on. What you need to do is just watch NFL Red Zone. Yeah, that's 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 the way. Well, Scott Hansen will just pop it around for you, put you on, you know, put you on all the big plays. Put you on the, the red zone. You can watch some red zone offense, a little bit of oh, red zone offense. I, I just and then they simply, go to the witching hour, and then they put all of the witching hour. Oh, the witching hour solid. Yeah, yeah. Behind. That's nice. Great. I'm not a, I'm yeah. not a red zone guy. I'm not. See, I, I cannot watch commercials. Yeah. I just can't. So here's what I will do. I got YouTube. Got the YouTube TV. Did you get, did you get Sunday ticket. I, I did get Sunday ticket. I, I caved. Go. I caved. It was it was tough, but best investment. Best investment. I'm cave. terrified of what my. Uh, what your bill is going to look like. It's going to be tough. I'm going to have to, have to work it off. <laughs> and so here, but here's the thing, YouTube TV, if you, if you record it, you can, you can fast forward through all those commercials. You got to stay off Twitter. That's the hardest part. Staying off Twitter um, during, you know, Saturdays and Sundays, stay off, but then you can buzz through those games pretty quick, man. You can, you can buzz through, offensive possessions that you don't want to see. I mean, we all have watched those games, right, where we're here to watch the offense. We're not trying to watch, you know, the Bucks play offense right now. We're going to fast forward through that. We're, we're going to get to something else, something a little more compelling. So, 
trying to watch the 86 Bears defense. I'm not. I'm simply not. Dang. Hello, no, hello, so, man. I mean, hello. No, I'm sorry, Rashad. I know, you're, I know you're a Bucks guy, but I'm just, just not trying to watch hey, it. They still got Mike Evans. Still got Chris, Chris Godwin. Hey, we don't have time, but, you know, we'll see okay, what Baker so does. Little, little <laughs> left turn there. Not too much of a, I don't know, veer. Keep going. From where we're going, but... <laughs> Um, so the, I mean, bringing up the Bucks kind of made me think about you know because they just played the Bucks on this most re- recent episode, and Zach Wilson and Kyle Trask were talking after the game. And I thought it was interesting how they're you know I it kind of you know I kind of forgot about the fact that Kyle Trask had what is it one or two years under Tom with Tom Brady? Yeah, I think it all all three was years. It two? It was two or three. It was three years. It was all the years. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah, yeah. Been with Tom so. Brady, and then you know you got. Did he graduate COVID. Florida? I thought he was there for. Was he there for COVID or no? He was there during the COVID year because they didn't beat him. Okay, there you go. It's a two years in. Good plug. <laughs> Good plug. Um, anyway, I thought that was a cool conversation they had. I mean, Kyle Trask didn't really say anything, but obviously, I'm sure he's learned a ton from Tom. Oh and Zach goodness, Wilson yeah. was kind of just saying, you know, how much Aaron has accelerated his learning process. I know we've discussed this a time or two, but I mean. And now everybody wants to say it like, oh, yeah, Zach Wilson is going to, you know, his career is going to get turned around. But, like, truly, I think yeah, know, this is the best move for his career. And, oh, yeah. I mean, I think going back to one of our first episodes, we, you know, we were already starting to talk about how, you know, guys can get thrown into the league too early. And it just it was a tough situation for him. It's, you know, historically, if you get drafted and you play early for the Browns or the Jets, it's not going to go well for you. And so he's kind of got this you know, second life in his career that he gets to now sit behind one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, learn from him. You even watch, like, you can see his mannerisms and, like, the way he takes his drops and the way he throws the ball now. Like, it is all Aaron Rodgers. He's soaking it all up. I mean, there is no quarterback coach in there from anybody. It is he is Aaron Rodgers is his quarterback coach and his offensive coordinator. Like No doubt. Yeah. He And I don't know. I, I think... That's honestly, to me, almost the most intriguing storyline of this entire team, which is crazy because you won't get to see it, you know, come to fruition for two or three years unless something happens to Aaron, but which obviously we don't want to happen. But I mean, that's going to be really cool to see what, how much different he looks from, you know, I know he wasn't the one that said he was seeing ghosts. That was Sam Darnold, but you know, Zach Wilson looked like he was seeing a couple ghosts out there a couple times. But now he's going to look like a completely different quarterback the next time. I mean, even in the preseason, that's you know what they're saying. He just looks like such a different guy. The way he's carrying himself, you can tell he's having a little bit more fun. His teammates seem to enjoy you know being around him. They're you know when he had that long run, all the guys are. You can tell when, as a quarterback, as a leader, when you know, guys don't really care for you. And I think that was a little bit of the story when he came out of, you know, you never know with a guy coming out of BYU, you know, coming into an NFL team, you know, there's the picture of him like at the draft, you know, standing next to all the players and he looked all, you know, uncomfortable (laughs) and everything. And so it was like, is this guy going to fit in, you know, in the NFL? And I think he's kind of, I think just being around Aaron, Personality-wise and football-wise has really been the best thing for him. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think sometimes you yeah. need a big brother, right? Like, you just you need somebody to kind of take you under Go your Back wing. to kind of your tweet that you put out the other day about 
young guys getting around older guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel so strongly about it at the high school level, right? If you're a freshman or sophomore and, you know, you're trying to figure things out, go find a senior leader and, and ask them a million questions. And if they don't have an answer for you, then that's when you go ask a coach, right? Because, like, then then we really need to figure this out, right? If, if the senior doesn't have the answer, then we, we need to get with coach and, and talk with him. But I think you can expedite your growth so much as a player if you find an older more experienced player to learn from and how much more from a almost 20 year veteran uh, quarterback. Like he's got just a wealth of knowledge, experience, wisdom to share with you. And I think too, there's something to be said about just having a pressure release valve where it's like, finally Zach Wilson doesn't have the weight of the world on him and he can just enjoy playing football again and regain some of that love of the game that I think you can really lose when when things are not going the right direction for you. And so I think, I think we will see eventually a resurgence for Zach Wilson and an opportunity for him to play the quarterback position at a high level. And I think what you're seeing is kind of as a, as a trend in football more generally is there is very little time to develop as a quarterback and that's college and professional because all these coaches are freaking out. If if we miss on a quarterback, that's our job. We're we're done. We're finished at both at both the college level and the professional level. And so having an opportunity to actually develop as a quarterback under another quarterback is one of the greatest gifts you can get as a young player. You just have to hope you can get your opportunity at some point. And so that's the delicate balance, right? You want your opportunity, but you don't want it before you're ready. And you know, guys like Zach Wilson, and we're seeing it with Geno Smith, like he got to reinvent himself and he's, he looks amazing. Right. And so I, I hope that's the story for Zach Wilson. I hope, I hope so. Um, but it does look like he's finally enjoying football again, which I think it's been a minute. Yeah, definitely. I couldn't imagine going from BYU as a 20 year old and moving to New York city and, you have the whole fran- you have the whole franchise just on your shoulders. A team that hasn't, you know, won a Super Bowl since like what the sixties, right? So couldn't imagine their pressure. That and having Aaron as his mentor and quarterback coach, office coordinator, best friend, <laughs> all the things. <laughs> um I think it's good for him because Aaron then Aaron sat what for four years under Brett Favre, so Aaron can kind of speak to it. He could say like, "Hey, yeah. I've been there." I can't, it's, it's definitely a different situation, right? Him, you know, because Zach started now, he's like bench now, right? But Aaron can kind of speak to waiting in the wings and how, as you probably heard stories with him and the, with the Packers, he would just destroy the scout team. He was just, he was tearing it up in scout team mode, getting ready for the, helping the defense get ready, right? So I feel like Zach can kind of do the same thing, and. He, it's it's truly a, good, a cool a cool timely thing for him to kind of just sit, learn, get better as a quarterback, kind of just be able to breathe and as you said, like not have you know as much pressure and just play some football and have fun. So the Jets, they they play their cards right. They can kind of build they can build a, a cool a cool franchise quarterback pipeline and um, make make some magic in the AFC East. I think that's I think that's the plan. We'll see how it we'll see how it plays out for sure. Um, season to season, it's like, man, you better you better produce because if mm-hmm. you don't produce, uh, people run out of patience really quickly. Mm-hmm. So, I'm hoping I'm hoping this does does turn things around a little bit for Zach Wilson. Um, it, it'd be good for him, 
good for good for the Jets as well. And yeah, I mean, I've I've just really enjoyed so far this season inside look. I think again, specifically to who we are with the Play Callers Club, we would love to see a little bit more of the ins and outs. But I think we also have to recognize that people really don't want hard knocks in their facility necessarily. They don't want to give away the trade secrets. They don't want, you know, their meetings bugged or anything like that. So it is tough to get kind of that true inside scoop because again, hard knocks is produced by the NFL. They're not going to like throw one of their teams under the bus. So, uh, you know, I think that's that's one of the challenges we're facing with kind of docu- documentaries. Period is they're they're definitely I, I would say documentaries are definitely trending more toward um, I don't know if you want to call them puff pieces, but like essentially like <laughs> pro- propaganda for for the subject of the documentary in exchange for access, which I guess that is what it is. Um, but you're not necessarily getting maybe the whole story of what's going on. Um, so, you know, I think that's true of, true of Hard Knocks and has been true of Hard Knocks, but also maybe true of uh, some of these other documentaries like Johnny Football and um, even the Swamp Kings documentary about University of Florida. I don't know if we're getting the whole story. I think we're getting some of it, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> definitely not the whole story. Yeah, tell the truth. Tell the truth. People want people. We already, we all know, right? We all know. Tell the truth. Let's talk about it. Put it out there on the table. <laughs> talk about it, right? It's definitely easier to, I guess, give, I don't know, a little more insight on something that happened in the past. I, I do agree, Dan. It's like hard knocks. If we just go bash this team or, bat, you know, make somebody look bad, it's like, well, why would anybody want to agree to do hard knocks ever again? Ever, ever again. Hard. Yeah. You know, if we're looking back on a team from 20 years ago or whatever, it's like, all right, you know, give me some, give give me me the some dirt. insider information that maybe I maybe I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah, and that's 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 the thing I think f- fans and, and coaches, too, want access. Like, we want, we want to know what's going on behind the scenes. Um, but in order to get access, you have to be granted access, and you have to kind of figure out how that, how that works. And so I think – I kind of want to ask, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I want to ask a question to you guys of, I've had a lot of coaches reach out to me along the way and say like, Hey, I know you, you know, you visit a lot of people and you, you know, go see people practice or go visit with coaches or whatever. Like what's the best way to go about doing that as a, maybe a high school coach that wants to connect with college coaches or professional coaches. What's the best way to go about kind of getting that access or behind the scenes look um, and doing it in a way that's, you know, respectful of of coaches at that next level when where, where you want you want to get a little behind the scenes look. What would you guys say is kind of the best way to go about that as a a young coach who's trying to learn? I'll let Rashad go first. I would say uh, for one, it's two scenarios. If you have if you know somebody, let's say like you have, you know, a coach that you know that's like a college coach or. NFL coach simply use that relationship right as like the easy answer. But if you don't know anybody, I'll say your best bet is just um, getting getting <laughs> getting in those DMs right, or sending a letter, or sending an email, <laughs> finding a way finding a way to contact them, and just say hey 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 coach, I would like to come. You know, I will, I, will, I love football. I currently coach at XYZ school. I coach I coach wide receivers. I want to learn more about the game of football. I love it. Is there any way I can come shadow you guys? Kind of just watch, right? Kind of be, I'll be a fly a wall, 
Well, I notice I'm there. I'm there just to listen and learn. And football is such a communal sport and such a like tribal knowledge game that coaches want to help coaches because usually coaches at the highest level got helped got helped at one point in time. So they're willing to like, kind of like show the love and do it and like provide it to younger guys. And you know, this opportunity to reach out, obviously don't reach out during the season because they're dialed in on football. They're dialed yeah, in on that. their season. <laughs> Never, don't do that. That's the easiest way to get like, get blocked, right? I'm not saying get blocked, but it won't be good. But your best opportunity to do so would be after for NFL coaches, like I want to say in off season, if you can like watch maybe OTAs, um, if you get really lucky, you can buy sneak and watch training camp if you know somebody, right? But OTAs, that's like a, that's like a, a green wind, a green, a blue sky, you know, green flag situation where like you feel like you get an opportunity to do that. Then for college spring ball, there's so many people randomly at spring ball. I never forget when I was at, I went to USC's coaches, coaches clinic a few years ago. That's when um, Todd Hutton was a head coach and it had Dave Campo was there, Tom Moore, um, all these just random coaches were there. And I was like, and they're just there just hanging out. So, and I was, and I kind of was going up to a match and just asking them questions and they were cool about it. But like, who's this random guy asking me questions? But, but my point in all that is as long as you're cool about it and you're not being like, you know, needy and weird, I think most coaches would be responsive and, um, yeah, chat for an relationship and getting their DMs or sending emails, sending texts, whatever, whatever, whatever way you get their number and start there. But using spring ball as an opportunity in college for NFL, trying to use the OTAs, pretty much that springtime is the best time because most coaches are um, building out their offenses and they're kind of just figuring things out. Like springtime is kind of like the lab. They're just figuring out what they want to do in the fall, see what works. So that's the best opportunity. That's what I would do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Rashad pretty much said everything i was gonna say <laughs> um, i love it i mean i would i mean you you basically start in january and it's you know go find you know the coaches you want to listen to speak at a clinic and that's that's when i feel like coaches are going to be the most personable like rashad said because they're not in season they're not so focused on their team and what they're doing what their job is it's they can be a little more open they can you know, that is kind of time that you, you know, they throw up their film on the board and, you know, they're not given all the secrets, but they'll give some of the secrets. And, you know, I think we talked about with, you know, Phil Longo a couple episodes ago, you know, he went and watched Mike Leach speak at a clinic and Mike Leach didn't give him all the secrets that one night. But as you grow that relationship with somebody, that's, you know, that's yep. when you start getting a little bit more access to that information. So, you know, it might not, like Rashad said, don't, don't be overbearing the first time you meet them. It's just, you know, hey, coach, nice to meet you. You know, got a couple questions or, you know, just nice to meet you and, you know, love love to get together sometime. And, and like Rashad said, it's that now you're starting the relationship. Now you go follow them on Twitter. If you get the follow back, great. You can shoot them a message. Don't be, you know, throwing everything at them all at once, but you can slowly, you know, and find, find something you have in common, whether it's you coach the same position or you like the same – NFL team or you have a relative that went to the same school or whatever, if you can find some common ground there, I think that's a way that you can get that coach to remember you. And then I think that's all building to, like Rashad said, you don't want to ask a coach that you don't know in season if you could come to one of their practices. But I do think if you've made that relationship up to that point, that's when you can start getting access in the summer or when your team's on a bye during the season. Hey, coach, can I come to – you know, we don't have practice this week. Can I come to a Thursday practice? You know, one of y'all's walkthroughs or whatever. And that's when 
all of a sudden you get to go sit in one of their meetings with, you know, their quarterbacks or their O-line or their receivers or whatever. And now you're like, oh, I can see how this is being done, you know, from a guy that I really respect at the next level. So it's, you know, it's a little bit of a slow burn. You can't just like dive into it and think that you're just going to get all the answers at once. But I think that's <laughs> like anything and that's how your coaching career is going to be. You know, it's, it's going to be about those relationships. And for all you know, you might create such a good relationship with this person that you might jump from the high school level to the college level because, you know, they, they now know that, oh, we align on a lot of the same things and we know that this person can coach at a high level and, you know, maybe they just started a little lower than I did. And there's plenty of people that we've talked to and that we know that have moved from high school to college or even from college down to high school or from high school For to sure. the NFL. You know, it's I think that's the coolest thing about what we're doing. And what what's so exciting about the season finally starting is we're going to highlight it all from the smallest divisions in high school to the highest level in the NFL. And no doubt. you're going to be seeing a lot of the same stuff being done across the board. And you're going to see people in the NFL taking stuff from what they found in high school. And there's no job that's too big or too small, but it's at the end of the day, it's all going to be about those relationships that you can create. And so start small, find something that you can, you know, mutually agree on with that coach and kind of roll from there. No, I sounds think, like I think you guys nailed sounds it. Like dating advice. Yeah, sounds like dating <laughs> advice. You know, it's just True. start small with the coach. You know, yeah, we gotta, you know, we gotta, we gotta create an app, an app for football coaches to match, yeah. ma- match with each other based on scheme and values triple option guy here no, 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 they figured no, it right. out right <laughs> no, i think i think you guys you guys hit the nail on the head i would say my biggest piece of advice that i give people is like okay yeah sure it'd be fun to go visit the dallas cowboys or the la chargers right but the reality is you like go visit a good football coach. Like there are good football coaches at every level of ball. Like go find a high school coach that you can sit down with. Um, and the reality is like the higher people go in level, often the less availability they have. And that's just kind of how things work. Some of the best relationships that I've formed with coaches over the years were, man, I met this guy when he was coaching high school ball and now he's coaching power five. I mean, we just had Jason Mons on, right? Like I've known Jason, for a while, Rashad news has known Jason for a while and now he's coaching power five and he's going to keep climbing up, of course. But, um, he was a good coach in high school. He didn't just magically become a good coach cause he was coaching power five. And you know, the same is true with college coaches. There are guys at lower levels that would be willing to spend time with you that you may just overlook because, Oh, they coach D three football. It's like, you could learn a ton from a D three football coach. And there's a not in, not insignificant chance that that D three football coach becomes division one or eventually ends up in the NFL. Look at Brandon Staley. I mean, he was coaching, I think D three football in Ohio before he eventually ended up in the NFL. And so, yeah, I would say like the biggest thing is not to look at the logo on their chest, but to look at kind of their body of work and their knowledge and their passion for the game and the things that they value. And seek those kind of people out more so than you seek out the person who's got a good job. Um, and Rashad, like when you were saying, you know, I was out at USC and all these coaches were, were stopping by practice. Like, I think that's a universal thing for, for football coaches. Like I, 
every time I visit a practice, I run into some retired coach who just wants to be around it, who just wants to like hear the pads and smell the grass and just be That's on right. the, be on the field. Like I know guys that have gotten, you know, millions and millions of dollar buyouts and got let go from jobs and they're still going to spring practices and going to yep. NFL OTAs because they love the game. Like, I think that's, that's something we all share in common. Like it is impossible to explain how much fun it is to go watch somebody practice. Like that sounds ridiculous, right? But it's just a football coach thing. And so I think people recognize that. And if you build those relationships, you do get to see some really cool things along the way. Um, but don't be in a hurry to go watch an NFL team or don't be in a hurry to go watch a power five team. Like there's plenty of amazing coaches that are doing a really good job that would love for you to pop in and sit on a, sit in on a meeting and would totally let you do that. Um, so I would say, yeah, don't, don't chase the prestige of it. Um, if anything, uh, just get, get time with people, get time with people, learn from people, bring a notebook, take notes, ask questions at appropriate times, of course, um, and, and, you know, be respectful throughout the process. But I think one of the best things about being a football coach is meeting others that are doing a great job and that you admire and you get to take something from them back to where you're at. It's like the best thing ever. I've, I've stolen way, way more than I could ever couldn't, could even remember from other coaches. And so that's, uh, it's the sincerest form of flattery for sure. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that was kind of a, a, a little bit of a left turn at the end of the episode, but I did want to, did want to touch on that because what we want, I think as coaches and as fans is we want access, we want behind the scenes. We want to know the inner workings of these organizations that are run at such a high level. And, you know, I think even for a fan, it's like, go, go make friends with a coach and go sit in on a practice, like go visit a high school practice or a you know, see if you could stand on the sidelines for a high school game. Like there's something about that energy and that, uh, there's something magic about it, man. I just, that's the only way, the only way I can say it. So, um, yeah, I'm all about it. Find, find good people and, uh, and develop relationships and it, it'll be worth your time for sure. All right. Well, we were, we were kind of talking about it before we started on the show, but this is, Pretty much our last episode before we got real, real live football. We got week zero college football starting this weekend. I know it's probably not the most exciting slate we've ever seen, but at the same time, I promise you that there's going to be TVs turned on oh, on yeah. Saturday and people are going to be locked in, ready to go. So without it, next, no, next time we're wait. filming an episode, we'll be we can't know, wait. And, and kind of like Dan said, you know, talking about some of the, you know. Not that we're really going to be getting too much behind the scenes, but we can really start getting in the weeds of what people are starting to do on offense, and I, which is really interesting week zero because you do see a lot of, I guess you can say, botches on the offensive side of the ball. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of turnovers, a lot of sloppy play. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see who's kind of tightened up week zero and who's you know struggling a little bit. Definitely. Uh, we're, we're excited. There's going to be so much to talk about this season from all levels of football. We're also going to try and get some, uh, for those of you who listen on, on YouTube, try and get some film up there for you. It's probably going to be mostly NFL just because of kind of copyright stuff. So we want to, we want to be respectful of, of folks out there and not, not be 
showing too much, but uh, but definitely gonna gonna show some NFL stuff and, and talk a lot of college stuff, and so it'll be it'll be worth it. Our our schedule kind of for what what you can expect during the regular season is expect an episode every every Tuesday morning and every Friday morning. Um, we'll be we'll be pumping them out this this season, um, getting some recap stuff and also kind of really diving in on on what people are doing um, schematically and uh, really trying to chase down the trends in offensive football for t- for 2023. It should be a lot of fun. Victory is a great play call.